Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Of all the planets in the galaxy, they chose ours. They hide in small places. This phone is dead. What? They like the dark. Jay, any luck? Just a minute. There's nothing cute about them. They've come a long way, and they're hungry. Dad's all torn up, and Mom's got like a harpoon thing in her neck, and they're getting bigger. Critters. They bite. Today kickstarts Daily Horror Habit's first series review of 2021, highlighting the extraterrestrial horror comedy series Critters. This 80s mashup of humor, horror, and hunger make a biting impression with stellar puppetry work that led to it becoming a cult favorite. Previously, I'd only seen the original film Critters, and I'm looking forward to seeing Critters 2 through 4, Critters Attack, as well as the Shudder series Critters A New Binge. So I hope you brought your appetite for this furry and ferocious deep dive on the Critters franchise. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, right? Well, what happens when a perceived imitation is actually the original? Critters was the directorial debut for Stephen Herrick, and it was written by Brian Dominic Murr, but apparently the two were conflicted over who should direct, and so it was left to fate as a coin toss ensued to decide for them. While Herrick clearly was the winner, Murr's script would give us one of the most underappreciated 80s sci-fi horror movies out there. Critters is about an intergalactic species of furballs known as the Krites. These little buggers might not seem like much, but their insatiable hunger makes them more than just a simple pest. Early on, the Krites escape an asteroid prison, stealing a ship and hightailing it for the closest, hospitable planet to them, that being Earth. They crash land in the small, apple pie Americana town of Grover's Bend. But with the duo of phase-shifting bounty hunters on their tail, this small town is in for one hell of an intergalactic bloodbath. The Krites land within the confines of our protagonist, Brad Brown, played by Scott Grimes, family farm, as his mom, dad, and sister attempt to fend off seemingly endless hordes of these bowling balls with fur, the town must contend with the bounty hunters pursuing the Krites while navigating the strange world known as Earth. Before diving into the creature joy that is Critters, for some, you wouldn't be mistaken for seeing Critters as a knockoff rendition of Joe Dante's 1984 film, Gremlins furry monsters with an insatiable appetite that become vicious when provoked. The comparisons are plain as day, and as far as mainstream audiences are concerned, Gremlins is definitely the more recognizable film within pop culture. Though you might be surprised to learn that Critters was actually written prior to Gremlins. This fact was largely overlooked as New Line promoted Critters in 1986 as the answer to 1984's Gremlins. Though, to Gremlin's credit, the reason that Critter's script did eventually get purchased was due to Gremlin's success. This brief history lesson isn't to point fingers or put a claim to fame over one another, but to establish the reason that, chances are you haven't heard of Critter's before. These similarities largely gave people the wrong impression that Critter's was a clone, a copy, and a cheap imitation. A notion, a notion that couldn't be any further from the truth. Critters is very much its own unique blending of science fiction, horror, and good wholesome coming-of-age humor. Oh, also there's some intergalactic bounty hunter destruction, but more on that soon. Personally, I've always enjoyed the science fiction roots of Critters' Krites more than the fantasy origins of Gremlins' Mogwai. 
The science fiction element gives both the Krites and bounty hunters the creative spark they need to make both a fantastic display of practical puppetry work and slick 80 special effects. Let's begin with the titular villain, the Critters, or Krites themselves. Think of Sonic the Hedgehog if he had razor-sharp teeth which he used to eviscerate all manner of livestock and people who got in his way. The Krites design and practical puppetry supervision was handled by the Chiodo brothers. Steven, Charles, and Edward Chiodo focused on capturing the Krites' contrast to the lethality of their menacing mouths of chompers to their cute and fuzzy exterior. This plays really well against the Krites' mischievous behavior as they lure and slaughter their prey while taking time to bullshit and swear at one another. I find the Krites to be far more vicious than gremlins, as there's something far more animalistic about a fuzzball lunging for your neck with the hopes of ripping your throat out. In fact, the film was originally written with an R rating in mind, but had to cut down on its violence and gore to ensure a PG-13 rating due to marketability reasons. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform, or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. In fact, the script was originally written to be much darker, as a member of Brad Brown's family was killed off, along with an ending that had a more upbeat tone to shrug off the rather dark and dour nature of barely surviving an alien attack. While I'll always be a fan of extreme practical nightmares and content, Critters stands up as a PG-13 boundary-pushing 80s film for me. There's a decent amount of blood and swears in the film that do it a service in establishing the Krites' troublesome nature, along with their arrival being no laughing matter. And the Chiodo brothers ensured no one would. Charles Chiodo claims that the design of the Krites was based on the Looney Tunes' Taz the Manian Devil character, giving the Krites a mischievous tone that helps to truly make them feel like their own creature. One of their goals early on in creating them was to ensure that the Krites did something that the Gremlins never did in the films. This was surely inspired by the Chiodos wanting to ensure they gave the Krites their own aura to further distance comparisons between the two films. And, as the Gremlins never walked, rather completed actions while stationary, first on the bill was to have the Krites move around. This came to fruition through the Krites displaying their ability to curl up into a ball and roll to flee their enemies. This was created by literally covering a bowling ball in fur and letting it fly on set. But aside from how the Krites look, the way they communicate is also an essential part of their personality. Now much as you'd assume an extraterrestrial pest would, the Krites speak in a variety of grunts and squeaks that sound like gibberish. Voice actor Corey Burton, who voices the Critters, along with having voiced Star Wars core jester Salacious Crumb, created their voices by blending elements of pronouncing French and Japanese words together. But the kicker of what sells the Critters' communication and the laughs often attributed to them is the inclusion of subtitles. Now originally, producers didn't care for this, but I find that the subtitles are essential in showing the nasty personality of these pests. Rather than a random assortment of grunts and chortles, we get a sense of who the Critters are as well as providing numerous gags, such as when one Critter watches his partner blown to pieces by a shotgun and matter-of-factly shouts, fuck, it's more adorable when you imagine a furball swearing. The special effects didn't stop with these little terrors as they allowed the sci-fi tech of the bounty hunters pursuing them to come to life in memorable fashion. Their most notable ability is their space tech that allows them to shapeshift to match any life form they come into contact with. Our first introduction to them is a fantastic sequence where we see the bounty hunter face morph from a glowing green orb of light into a human face. We see the various layers of matter making up a face, from bone structure appearing, then layers of muscle, then blood, and skin. Given Critter's low-budget nature, this is one of the more impressive practical effects moments achieved by melting a plaster-casted face with a muscular mask underneath it and then playing the shot in reverse. 
It's a fantastic effect that shows that Critter's budget certainly was spent in the right departments to make the biggest impact. As for the human elements of the film, the film has a wonderful assortment of characters that all abide by rather familiar small-town American tropes – dumb cop, town drunk, horny boyfriend, and the like – but each performance fully facilitates these played-out tropes better than you might expect. Whether it's the mischief-causing and smart-mouthed inventor Brad Brown who must defend his home from these furry invaders, Don Keith Opper as the alien ranting town drunk, Dee Wallace as the protective mother, Emmett Walsh as the disgruntled police chief, or horror alum Lynn Shea as the overworked radio dispatcher, Critters has a colorful cast of characters who make up Grover's Bend's small-town slice of Americana. The domestication of the Brown family is a large source of the film's humor, whether it's Brad fighting with his sister, arguing with his parents, or making pipe bombs in his spare time, there's a very wholesome nuclear family aesthetic to Critters that provides a welcoming platform for the creature hijinks to unfold within. This humor helps the film's overall pacing, which feels more purposeful than your average monster movie, given the restraint in showing the creatures right away. Given the restraint in not showing the creatures right away, they really do do a fantastic job of sort of just establishing the town, the people within it, the predicament, and then never shying away from one element. And it just, it feels very coherently constructed and doesn't feel like it has a lot of kind of forced or goofy uh, moments in the construction of the film itself, which is not something you can say about a lot of monster movies, especially ones as ambitious as this, from the 80s. Critters ends with a big budget bang, making for one of the most impressive shots of the film, along with a stinger for a potential sequel, which would materialize in the form of Critters 2, the main course, in 1988, just two years after the original Critters release. And in moving forward with my series review of Critters, I'm exploring uncharted territory, as I've only watched Critters, so I'm really excited to see how they expand upon the Brown family's narrative, as well as more stellar practical puppetry effects in Critters 2. So be on the lookout for that review next week. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.